Previously on Fun Science Fiction. A, a scene where we fall in the water and we're coughing and sputtering water. And Marsha comes on the director. She goes, that was too phlegmy. Let's go again. I'm like, they're going to fire me because I have phlegm. <laughs> Hi, this is Hiro Kanagawa and you're listening to Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that helps fake astronauts in the Tesla headed to Mars get all their new comedy material for better or for worse. Our guest today is a longtime actor and voice actor with many credits on his IMDb resume. That caught my attention and will no doubt catch your attention as well. You have seen or heard him in shows like the animated uh, Fantastic Four series as Reed Richards, AKA Mr. Fantastic. You may have seen him on Smallville, Heroes Reborn, Altered Carbon, and of course, most recently on Star Trek Discovery. With a resume with credits like this, it's easy to say that we're both excited and proud to welcome Hiro Kanagawa to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome to the show, Hiro. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity to reach your uh, fans and followers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So before we get into anything that's role specific or anything along that, one of the things that's become customary on our show uh, because we are a nerd show and uh, Nick and I are self-proclaimed nerds. Uh, we wear that badge proudly. Um, we'd like to get into the origin story of the person sitting across the virtual table with us. So Hero, in your case, mm -hmm. what were the influences on you as a younger man that encouraged you to reach out for a career in the performing arts? That is a, an interesting question. My parents, uh, certainly were not very thrilled with me taking up the you know the first thing that i took up was music um i played in a bunch of rock bands in high school nice. uh, played a lot of guitar and uh, my father especially was not very pleased about that so really i think it was for me uh a, the rather traumatic experience of having grown up in North America and then moving to Japan when I was 14, you know, 14 is a pretty angsty age anyway, but um, the sure. culture shock and the uh, isolation of, of being, you know, moved away from my friends and everything that I think brought out a, a kind of introspection in me, which pushed me towards the arts. Okay. So, and now I need to know what were you, what rock were you listening to? What kind of rock and roll music were you guys playing? <laughs> well, we were we were writing our own original uh, tunes. The band's name was Gale Force. Great, nice. Rock, you know, great high nice. school kids' idea of what a great name would be for a rock band. Uh, would have been I a great opener a, for Pink Floyd. <laughs> you know, Tokyo is, has a really great music scene. You get music from all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously Elvis Costello and the British New Wave were big when I was a kid, but I was a big Springsteen fan, still am. Nice. Um, so that's what uh, I was listening to back in the day. All right. And I, now I also have to know too, since your dad wasn't all that pleased with you, A, getting into music and B, uh, getting into acting following that, mm -hmm. what was your dad's hopes? What were, where did he hope that his son was going to end up? Oh, a PhD in something. 
PhD you know? in something. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Hero on something. Is he is he okay with that? You play a lot of doctors now. Does that? Well, now now that I've you know, now that I'm uh, somewhat of a success, you know they're very proud. Now they brag. You know, whenever I'm on TV, sure. he's shooting off emails to all of his. <laughs> all of his colleagues and friends hey my son's you know doing this my son's doing that and so on so all right nice so what would be some advice that you would want to give someone who is getting into the performing arts Mm -hmm. well you know if it's your dream and if it's your love and it's that's the thing that's really driving you in life um you really have to pursue that regardless of whatever family pressures you may have, especially now speaking as someone from an Asian culture, um, a lot of old world cultures, obviously there's traditional values and um, the parents want their kids to become doctors or engineers uh, or what have you, you know, so-called respectable professions. And um, that was certainly the, the case with me but uh if i'm any example you know you have to pursue your own dreams you can't live for your parents sure you just can't um and so you just have to pursue your own dream i mean my i would say my father is an example of someone who lived for his father Mm uh my dad has two brothers and and his dad kind of decided for all three sons what they should do with their lives. And and even though my dad is uh, very successful and has reached the pinnacle of, of uh, success in his profession, mm-hmm. it wasn't his chosen profession. It wasn't what he wanted to do with his life. So I think to this day, there's a lot of regret, right? And uh, I don't think anyone wants that actually for their children no. in the end. So you have to follow your dreams. Okay. Yeah. Avoid the, you know, the, uh, like you said, avoid the regret of the, Mm -hmm. of the dream lost. So, okay. No regrets for my youth. (laughs) That's the title of Kurosawa's first movie. No regrets for my youth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't have this in my list of questions, but I was thinking about this as you're answering the last the last thing here, one of the things I noticed in another interview with you is that, you know, there was the discussion of, of culture and making sure that, that culture is adequately and appropriately represented in, in, in modern media. Mm-hmm. So how do you help with that in, in the roles that you pick and the things that you do uh, as an actor? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, uh, on those occasions when I am asked to play a Japanese character, right, uh, I try to bring my experience, my life experience as someone who was born in Japan, whose family still lives in Japan, someone who speaks the language and, you know, has those roots. Uh, very often, um, there have been cases, not so much anymore, but in the past there there were cases where I was asked to speak Japanese lines, but they weren't actually translated by uh, a legitimate Japanese speaking <laughs> person. So, you know, it was nonsense. Or uh, there were there have been occasions where even 
the name of the character was not a legitimate Japanese name or uh, etc. You know, there are mm -hmm. many instances of uh, of this idea that uh, all Asian cultures are the same so sure. that, uh, you know, a set might, you know, is supposedly set in Japan, Tokyo or Osaka or wherever, but the set decorations and props are of Chinese origin or, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that go on. And uh, so I think it's uh, especially today with, you know, all the awareness that we have now uh, mm -hmm. about uh, diversity and the importance of respecting different cultures that uh, it is important to have people like me or, you know, if, if, if the character is whatever ethnicity it is that they are, that you, you know, make the best efforts to cast someone who is uh, truly appropriate and authentic in that role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I host another podcast called uh, Pop Culture Addicts with our co-host, Kathleen, who wasn't able to make it today. So typically there's three of us on screen here. You typically have three mm -hmm. nerds to deal with. Uh, but uh, Kathleen, was, like I said, wasn't able to make it today. But recently we interviewed Daphne Maxwell-Reed and we talked about, you know, the the efforts of diversity and inclusion when it came to uh, women of color mm -hmm. and working with inside of that that framework. And she had made an interesting comment in there uh, in our discussion with her about how it has taken a lot of years of hard work and fighting against the the networks uh, and the production companies to to further this aspect. Along those lines, you know, what have what efforts have you seen recently, or even in the not so recent, that that show you that this is something that's a continuing trend. Well, just the fact that we're having this conversation is incredibly encouraging and heartening to me because the last time I did uh, a round of a lot of interviews, you know, just three or four years ago, uh, none of the conversations were about diversity or uh, representation in media. Okay. People, the interviewers, you know, just wanted to talk about the character and wanted to talk about the show and so on. But no one wanted to talk about this topic of, uh, of you know, representation and diversity and so on. And so just the fact that, you know, uh, you and other interviewers are really interested in that topic now and, and, and interested in talking about it and exploring these issues, that's a huge change from just three or four years ago. Okay. Um, now, in terms of uh, the kinds of roles and the kinds of shows that are being made now, I think there was a huge leap forward about five years ago with uh, Crazy Rich Asians. And mm -hmm. uh, season one of Kim's Convenience came out pretty much the same within a, a month or two of that. And I think that was a huge leap forward. Since then, I think we've seen just so many uh, more projects that have predominantly Asian casts or which, you know, are willing to feature uh, Asian characters as the leads. Because prior to that, uh, obviously, uh, that was not the case. And certainly, you know, in the first, you know, couple of decades of my career, uh, it was very rare indeed to have uh, shows that were predominantly Asian cast or that uh, we're willing to cast uh, Asian, especially Asian males 
in lead roles. Now, even though there's still a long way to go, because even though, you know, uh, right now, I think, especially East Asians, Japanese, Korean, Chinese, are experiencing uh, a much higher profile, um, you know, obviously, there, our society, our entire world is kind of organized on a, on a race hierarchy. And um, here in Canada, for instance, um, you know, my success or the success of, uh, of Asian people in media, that does not translate to, you know, greater opportunities for indigenous people or people from other cultures, such as Southeast Asian cultures or, uh, or what have you. So there's still a long way to go. And um, hopefully, you know, people like me can bring some awareness not only to our own ethnic groups and the challenges we face, but the challenges of those who are even more invisible. Excellent. Yeah, one of the, one of the things I, I think that I've enjoyed most about about the 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 surge in in, um, in this diversity and inclusion and, and making sure that that we have proper representation. And now, as as a movie movie and television viewer, I think it adds to the authenticity of the piece, and I think it makes the the accuracy of what is trying to be represented and and shown to me as as a consumer. I think it makes it better. And so I think from, you know, from that aspect, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that, that this, this is happening. And I'm glad that we're having this conversation, you know, because like anything else, if we're going to try and, and uh, remove the stigma of anything, mm -hmm. you have to have the conversation. You have to talk about it. You have to be willing to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, I think obviously in just in terms of authenticity, realism, we want our shows to look and feel like our, our own world. Right. And if you live in North America, you know, it's a diverse world. It's a multicultural environment mm -hmm. for most of us. So uh, I'm glad to hear you say that, um, that uh, yeah, that this move, forward which i think it is it is a move forward absolutely um that that you appreciate that and, and i'm glad to hear you say that yeah all right so here another question for you so i i'm reviewing um your your press kit i found it interesting that uh, you were hired uh by the same production company to work on multiple shows mm -hmm. um in different seasons as different characters not the same character but different characters uh you were brought back a couple different times now, from the outside looking in, it could be just, just dismissed as, yep, uh, Hero got some work. Good on him. All right, way to go, Hero. Uh, but what does it mean to you as an actor to have been hired multiple times by the same production company to play so many different and various roles? Okay, so I think the most notable case of that would be uh, three X-Files, four Millenniums, and one Lone Gunman for, yeah. uh, for, for Chris Carter's 1013 Productions. Yeah, and uh, uh, that was a huge. I think uh, the first X Files that I did, uh, the episode Firewalker in season two, uh, that was actually a huge break for me because um, the it was season two of X Files, so X Files was just on the cusp of becoming 
the huge international uh, phenomenon that it that it went on to be. And um, in that particular episode, it, it was kind of an ensemble cast. There were four or five of us who were. Uh, the plot was that there were four or five of us who were uh, geologists trapped in this volcano research facility in the Cascades. And uh, so it was an ensemble situation. And it was kind of, um, as I recall, it was kind of a big boost of confidence for me that I could, you know, hold my own in, in an ensemble situation with, you know, four or five uh, young actors up from L.A. who were also obviously... On, on the verge of, you know, bigger things in their careers. And um, that episode was directed by a guy named David Nutter. And uh, aside from all of these shows that I did for Chris Carter, the thing that happened was that uh, David uh, kind of started to consider me like a go-to guy in Vancouver so that whenever he came to Vancouver, he would find something for me to do in his shows, right? So um, nice. after, after that X-Files, I think he directed one of the millenniums that I was in. And then he, direct, he, then he cast me in the pilot of Dark Angel with Jessica Alba. You remember that show? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And then Smallville, he cast me as Principal Kwan in Smallville as well. And there were a couple of others. So, um, yeah, so that was definitely, uh, you know, Chris Carter casting me over and over again in his shows and David Nutter casting me in a bunch of, th of things. Uh, those, those two guys really helped me uh, build my resume and, and uh, build my career in the early days for sure. Excellent. So we all have that one thing that is really close and dear to our hearts. What was a role or a character that you really hold close to your heart that you are very proud of? Mm -hmm. I would say uh, for sure um, Captain Tanaka in Altered Carbon. Uh, that was definitely a career highlight for me. I would say also uh, around this time last year, I, I guest starred on The Good Doctor and uh, my character there, uh, Paul Nakano, um, a guy who is, you know, I mean, obviously characters are flawed in different ways, uh, but Paul Nakano was not flawed in a villainous way. He just cared too much, you know, yeah. and uh, I, I love that about him. And I think my most uh, recent Star Trek Discovery character, Dr. Hirai, uh, I, I really grew to appreciate him. Uh, I really, especially because uh, at the outset, he was, he kind of lacked social skills and um, had a, you know, poor bedside manner, as, as they say. <laughs> um, but he came to, uh, I, I think, understand uh, his role and, uh, so I appreciated that about him. So those are those are a few examples of uh, characters that I've that are close to my heart for sure. Excellent. Yeah, all good choices, I do believe. All right. So let's since you brought up Dr. Harai, let's let's talk a little Trek. Mm -hmm. All right. So Star Trek has this massive, immersive 
expansive. You could use all kinds of ifs, uh, adjectives here to go with to go along with when we talk about the universe of Star Trek. It, but it also has this impressive roster of actors who have who are now Star Trek alumni, who have done something in the Star Trek world, and they've they've gone on and done other things, and you know. Uh, but their acting and their participation in the universe has paved way for other space exploration sci-fi shows to be taken seriously in, in this in this world. So uh, from your viewpoint, from your vantage point, how important is a role like Dr. Harai not only to you, but to sci-fi at large, but also what does it feel like to be part of the Star Trek alumni? Oh, it's a... Uh... Tremendous thrill, uh, especially for someone like me who, you know, the original Star Trek, I've seen every episode multiple, multiple times because when I was a kid growing up in Guelph, Ontario, in Sterling Heights, Michigan, you'd come home from school and there'd be three channels. And uh, so those, the choices were Gilligan's Island and the Merv Griffin show. And then Star Trek would invariably be on, right? So um, just, and I, and I think Star Trek has always been ahead of the curve in, in terms of uh, addressing social issues and uh, oh, yeah. in terms of diversity and so on. And so I'm great. I'm really thrilled to be a part of that, that legacy. Um, there have been so many pioneers ahead of me just in Star Trek. That, that paved the way for a character like Dr. Hirai, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. so it's, it feels really good to, you know, be, you know, having that torch passed to me and being the torch bearer for this brief moment in time uh, before it gets passed along again. Okay. So I think right now you, you've done four episodes, correct? That's right, yes. All right. Any potential for Dr. Hirai to come back? I mean, I have heard uh, informally that there's a possibility there, but I, I don't know. I, I'll probably be one of the, the last to know <laughs> when we make, make the decision. Um, hey, we need you on set tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it's definitely a huge, thr and the thrilling, the really, really thrilling part of it for me is that, uh, in the penultimate episode of season four, when we make contact with the 10C, um, it's one of the first times in the entirety of the Star Trek franchise that we encounter a life form from beyond the galactic barrier, right? And I think it's also one of the uh, few instances of humans attempting to communicate with a non-anthropomorphic life form you know in the star trek franchise so uh i think that it's it's going to go down in history as is a is a is kind of a pivotal episode so i'm sure. really glad that my character uh had a prominent role to play in that mission to communicate with the 10c excellent awesome. all right so we have a Facebook group, and it is, what are we setting at? Over 201? Just shy of 202,000 right now. 202,000 members. Wow. And it is just filled with memes, whether it's Star Trek memes, Star Wars memes. Mm. It's, Star Trek versus it, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So 
which two of your characters would you like to see come together and work together? Work together, hey? Yeah. That's an interesting question, you know. Uh, which would I want to work? You know, obviously, I think Dr. Hirai being an astrolinguist and being an expert in all of these extraterrestrial languages and so on, uh, he has a skill set that I, I think I would definitely want to include there in, in one of my characters, for sure. Uh, and then the other character, hmm, interesting, interesting. I might have to go with, uh, I don't know, if, if we combine him with Reed Richards or something, that would <laughs> create that some would kind of a... But I mean, I mean, Reed Richards probably already has a lot of those skills that Dr. Hirai already has. So uh, that's an interesting question. That's a tough one, actually. Um, you know, I, I guess we could we could throw in uh, uh, Paul Nakano from The Good Doctor and make Dr. Hirai also capable of doing surgery. There was actually an old... Uh, short-lived science fiction show called Mercy Point. I don't know if you ever remember Mercy Point. I don't think I'm familiar with that one. It was Sounds kind of familiar. like a hospital in space. Okay. Um, with uh, now the the actor's name escapes me. He was, you know, he was in Brother from Another Planet, and he was Joe Morton. What's his name? Was it Joe Morton? Yeah, yeah, Joe Morton. Joe Morton was the lead. Yeah, Joe Morton was the lead of Mercy Point. And it was like surgery. It was like a hospital in space. And we'd do, and they'd, uh, well, it wasn't me because I was a kind of a villain in, in a few of those episodes. But uh, yeah, the premise of the show was that they'd be operating on, on aliens who, you know, needed medical procedures and so on. <laughs> so, All right. You know, if you combined Dr. Paul Nakano with Dr. Hirai, you know, I, you could have a, a space surgeon. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Hero, we've got three questions for you. Uh, two from Twitter, one from Facebook. These are these are guys that we said, hey, we're we're going to talk to Hero Kanagawa. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you saw the picture that we put up of of your, your picture from from Star Trek Discovery. Said if you hey, if you have any questions, what would you like to ask? So here's the first one. And I picked this one because it was one that you had interacted with. Um, uh, the Twitter user is names is uh, username is at Shayla fan. Mm -hmm. You wanted to know, I really enjoyed watching you portray the role of Dr. Harai. What was your most favorite scene when filming discovery? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, uh, I had a lot of Dr. Harai interacted most with the president Rillac. And uh, there were a lot of those scenes that I enjoyed, uh, especially because of, you know, the relationship that uh, the, the very close working relationship that I developed with uh, with Shayla Horstall. Um, but my favorite moment was actually uh, is not on screen, didn't make it. Um, but if you recall, there's a there's a moment in, I believe, uh, once again, the penultimate episode where um, President Rillac decides that she has to go 
in this orb that the Tensi have sent, and she decides she and some others have to go uh, to, you know, to interact with them. And she turns to me, and I'm fully expecting that she's going to ask me to accompany her. Uh, but then she tells me that she wants me to stay, and it's a very disappointing moment for me. Um, right after that, uh, there's a different, I think there's a conversation between General Ndoye and Burnham, and uh, kind of in the background, uh, Rilak and Hirai are talking, and we had this interaction where we, we ad-libbed, and uh, it was really, it was actually a great moment where uh, I was able to tell her that um, I disagreed with her decision and that uh, I should go in her place, you know, and we had, we had like this great improv interaction and it was actually my favorite moment because uh, um, it kind of completed for me the arc of our relationship, you know, and okay. uh, you never get to see it in the show. But for me, the actor, it, it was a, you know, it was a great, it was a great moment. And uh, I really appreciated having that with Sheila. There you go. I think some of the improv moments are probably your, some of the best moments I've seen in TV and movies. It's, it's because, you know, the spontaneity, they arise organically, and yeah, when when those things happen, there, it's gold usually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In particular, when the 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 two actors or whoever is involved really understand their character and what the trajectory of their character is and what's going on. So, yeah, that would have been fun to watch. So we had a question from our Facebook group by Larry Gonzalez. He wanted to know whose idea was it for your character to snack all the time especially when you're talking about take after take. <laughs> <laughs> that was scripted. Um, you have to understand, like, you know, especially in the, in the age of COVID, uh, but prop food that's lying around on set, there's blazing lights shining down. There's like 80 crew members all over. Uh, so if there's trays of food that are props, an actor can't unilaterally decide to start eating because there's no guarantee that it's safe to eat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's it's something perishable. Um, you know, if it's been sitting under blazing set lights for four or five hours, uh, there's there's no guarantee that you can even eat that. So... Um, the, all of the snacks that Dr. Hirai ate, those were, uh, especially handled so that they would be safe to eat. And, and that's not available. I mean, the, the props people have to know in advance that someone's going to need food to eat and they have to prepare that, especially, you know, to make sure it's safe and so on. So, uh, no, that was not my unilateral decision <laughs> at all. Um, but it's just snacking, so it was not for me at all uh, an onerous situation. There was a situation a couple of years ago in a movie where there was a dinner scene, and uh, we had apple pie, 
for dessert. And um, at the time, it just, and you know, even though I'm aware of how difficult it is to eat something, take after take, I thought, well, I'll just take a small bite of apple pie and we'll be done. You know, how many takes can it be, you know? <laughs> I mean, by, you know, four hours later, I probably had the equivalent of two or three slices of pie because I'm, <laughs> you know, it's probably, I don't know how many dozens it takes, right? So, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why you don't see actors eating a lot. Even, you know, I mean, for a lot of viewers, it's a pet peeve when it's a dinner scene and, uh, and none of the actors actually eat, <laughs> you know, or someone goes into a coffee shop to have coffee with someone else and neither one of them actually drinks any coffee and then the scene's over and they leave. I, I know that it's a pet peeve for a lot of viewers, but uh, it's very difficult for actors to be uh, doing that take after take after take for sure. Have you ever had have you ever had a horrific food item and it just uh, you were like nope no <laughs> i have not no no they usually you know whatever food it is you're supposed to be eating the props people are very good about uh giving you alternatives uh you know i'm not vegetarian but a lot of people are so uh, people have that kind of uh issue or you know people don't want to have caffeine Mm -hmm. uh, on set, especially if they got to be doing that for four hours, um, and so on, or or people who are lactose intolerant. You know, there's all kinds of of things that that you have to be careful about. I remember though that there was um, there was a coffee drinking scene uh, in The Good Doctor, and um, the props guy came up to. Hill Harper and I, and asked us, now, do you want uh, black water or do you want um, regular water? And I, I didn't know what the black, I didn't know what black water was. I thought he was talking about water that was, that had like black food coloring in it. So it was actually, do you want decaf coffee, right? Right. Do you want, do you want a real decaf coffee or do you want black water, right? And I didn't, I don't like coffee, so I didn't know which to choose. So I was like, well, what's the black water? It turned out to be the most delicious water I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it is pretty good water. It's, it's this uh, $30, it's this water that's $30 a bottle pretty much, right? And it, it's got all these minerals in it and so on, and that's why it's black. But I had no idea what he was talking about, so I thought I was going to get you know, water with black food coloring in it or something. <laughs> that's what I would have assumed. Yeah. So I would assume that that's also why, like in most coffee scenes or if it's at a coffee shop, why the, the coffee has a lid on it. So you can't tell that they're, if they're actually drinking or not. Oh, has a lid. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. The plastic you know, lid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little plastic lid on top. That way they can, they can mimic the drinking without actually having to sit there mm -hmm. and continuously drink take after take. Yeah. So. yeah. That makes sense. All right. One more question from from Twitter, Hero. And this comes from our, our friends over at It Goes Down at the PM. That's the name of their show. Um, they said, it's hard to pick one question. I've seen so much of his filmography. I guess, does he, A, does he have a, a favorite role? He says, because he often sees you play medical personnel or law enforcement. 
-hmm. And he also wants to know, is this a role or a type of role that he enjoys and uncomfortable in? And will we see him? And well, this is like three questions. Holy crap. I didn't really read this. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So first off, do you have a favorite role? We'll start there. Let's start this. Mm -hmm. We'll go one by one. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've talked about some of my favorite roles. We have. Uh, yeah, we have. Um, I mean, having, you know, aside from those, I certainly enjoy the opportunity to play villains. I think generally villains are a little bit more fun okay. than, than the good guys, I guess, okay. because they're bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> they do bad things. And there's there's a little bit of uh, fun involved in that because it's all make believe, sure. you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. So we'll call that the answer. And, we, and uh, it goes down. The PM can go back to the previous answer where we talked about things that you held close to your heart. That'll answer the rest of that. Uh, let's see. He said he often sees you play medical or law enforcement personnel. Is this a, a role type that you enjoy? And are you comfortable in that that role type? I'm yeah, I'm definitely comfortable in those. I mean, uh, when I hit 200 credits on IMDb, uh, I actually went and tallied them up. And at, at that time, it was 38 doctors, 31 detectives <laughs> that I had played. So uh, that for much of my career, doctors and detectives and other similar authority figures have been my bread and butter. Uh, for whatever reason, f from the very earliest days of my career, uh, I guess people th feel that I have uh, that kind of gravitas or authority generally about me. And so, um, you know, over and over again, they've cast me in those roles. So I'm definitely very comfortable playing those characters. And uh, um, and it's not something that I mind particularly, you know. Right. Um, so I welcome the opportunity to play doctors and detectives. And uh, if you have to be stereotyped, there's a lot worse things that you could be stereotyped or pigeonholed as. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You could always play the corner bum. Hey, but instead you get to play a detective. So not so bad. All right, hero. We're at the stage of our show where we like to run our guests through a little bit of a quiz. Okay. Uh, and so this is a five question quiz. Each of the right. questions are multiple choice. Uh huh. Okay. So if you get three of the five questions, correct, we want to send you one of these handy dandy. I gave to the red shirt widows and orphans fund coffee mugs. All right. All right. If you get four questions correct, we want to send you that coffee mug along with the book that started it all, Custodians of the Cosmos. That's got a glare on it. Well, there we go. Custodians of the Cosmos, written by Drayton Allen, our, our show founder and group founder. Uh, it's all about a young man who wanted to enlist in something that's kind of like Star Trek, but not Star Trek. and uh, Or Starfleet, I should say. Excuse me. Like Starfleet. But he washed out. And instead, he rejoins as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. So that's the premise of the book. Now, if you get less than three questions correct, we talked to you about all those memes we have. We want to take a picture of you, make a meme out of you, and put you in our group that way. We call it our fun sequence. All right. Okay. Here we go. Now, this quiz is called Year of the Hero. So what it is, it's uh, we have five different shows that you've been a part of. Okay. Okay. And according to now, these these dates are according to IMDb 
when you first started performing on those shows or the first episode was released. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we'll give you the name of the show, the name of the character and three possible years. Okay. Okay. And if there are any discrepancies between you and IMDB, uh, we'll just let you know now you win. So, <laughs> but when we're, we're talking about when the show aired, right? Correct. Right. Okay. Arrow was the show as Dr. Neil Lamb. Mm -hmm. Was that 2001, 2012, or 2021? 2001. It was 2012. 2012? Hold on a second. You got that one wrong, Tim? All right. No, I'm I guess that's right. 2012. Yeah, no, you're right. That's That would be right. I, I guess that would be right. It's yeah. possible. Hold on. I may have made a mistake. I've done that before, you know. No, that's right. No, it must have been 2012. Yeah, according to IMDb, it's 2012. All right. So possibly wrong, but yeah. All right. So uh, let's go to number two. Heroes Reborn as Dr. Hachiro Otomo. Mm -hmm. 2014, 2017, or 2015? Okay. I'm going to say... 2015. Very good, sir. All right, one and one. <laughs> the X-Files as Peter Tanaka. Mm -hmm. 1991, 1999, or 1994? That's got to be 1994. You're correct. Sure. Correct. Two and one. All right, so two correct, one incorrect. Uh, question four. Was that 2015, 2018, or 2020? That would have to be 2018. Very good. And that, of course, is your third an correct answer. So that gets you a coffee mug. Woo! I just realized, how many people have you played Dame Tanaka? <laughs> Eight. Eight? Eight, yep. There's a, there's a, a preschool cartoon animated series on Netflix right now called Zenko Go and I play a kindly uh, Japanese man on that show named Mr. Tanaka and that is my eighth Tanaka. <laughs> are they all related in some way? No, none of them are uh, related. in the sense that the, Hiro has, has performed them. It, it turns out that Tanaka is the most common Japanese American surname. Oh, okay. And it's also the fourth most common surname in Japan itself. So interesting. You know, oh, that interesting. has a lot okay. to do with it. It's actually a very common name. Uh, and it's easy for English speakers to say. And it's easy. And it sounds good when you bark it out, you know, in a TV show. So I think <laughs> that's why a lot of writers use it. All right. Very good. Uh, one more question. DC's Legends of Tomorrow as Director Bennett. Mm -hmm. Was it 2012, 2014, or 2017? 2017. You're correct. Very good. All right, we'll send you the book as well. Excellent. Well, Hero, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're working on? 
Uh, Instagram and Twitter. My handle is my name, Hiro Kanagawa TV. On Instagram and Twitter. On Facebook, you know, it's just Hiro Kanagawa. Uh, there I am. And uh, there is a website, HiroKanagawa.com. Although, uh, unfortunately, I've been delinquent in, in updating it. So, uh, you know, that's, there's not a whole lot of recent current information. But uh, there is some biographical information there for sure. Okay. So. And people can always just do a simple Google search and find you on IMDb as well. Yes, absolutely. And we will make sure we put the, those in our show description so that listeners can check you out. All right. We want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that our show continues to grow and we get more amazing guests like Hiro Kanagawa to stop by and, and have these great conversations with and funny moments for you to listen to. So please subscribe. It's going to help more than we can ever really say. There's a little button down there. You just got to push it that one time, just the one time, and uh, you'll be able to, to uh, continually get nifty little updates from us. Now, if for whatever reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. While reviewing your complaint, no doubt getting lost in the minutia, those, that means details, uh, you can be sure that no single podcasting transgression is beyond his reach. Although sometimes his decisions do seem to be a little bit of a stretch, we assure you, that if you can just try to be flexible enough to allow his brand of justice to be handed out, you'll be happy with the results. Really work with those dad buttons. I had my nickname was Stretch for a brief time in like elementary school. Oh, no I, way. I was a first baseman. Oh, nice. Yes. You would have yeah. to have stretched out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks again, Hero. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us for Funny Science Fiction. Thanks for stopping right. by. Goodbye. Bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 78. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins the Discovery crew on an away mission, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his tricorder. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. 